Welcome to Making Movies is Hard, a podcast about the everyday struggle of being an independent filmmaker. I'm Timothy Plain. And I'm Ulrich Brussel. Each week we discuss a different filmmaking topic and give you our point of view, not as experts, but as two filmmakers trying to figure it out for ourselves. So right before we started recording, I was on Skype waiting for you to jump on. Oh uh, yeah. And I was like, I wonder who else is online. And my guy in India was online. Woo! Yeah, He's alive. Did He's you talk alive. to him? Yeah. I was like, dude, did you survive the floods of Chennai? And he said, yes, I did. We had to move temporarily out of town. I said, well, when are you back? He says, we just moved back. Long pause, long pause. Type. He said, we lost most of my data from the past few years. Oh, wow. And I said, I was afraid of that. <laughs> Wow. And so he says, we're trying to recover it now. I said, well, let me know where we stand with the spirit machine. I'm assuming we lost it all at this point. And he said, yeah, I'll get back to you. Wow. Now, Crazy. for the record, he says, I will get back to you in two or three days. So when we talk next week, I'll let you know if he upholds that. I doubt that he'll get back to me in two or three days. Well, you got to get on him, man. In, in yeah. five days, he'll be like, yo, it's been more than two to three days. It'll take me another month to get in, in touch with him. So <laughs> last week, I had dinner with an editor friend and was telling her about my my dilemma. Like, how should I finish this movie? Should I re-edit it? Should I just go find another partner? And her advice was, I had a really good editor edit my movie and he left the scenes that I'm working on in. So she says, you owe it to yourself to just finish the movie as it's edited if you can. So she introduced me to a few of her friends that do visual effects and I found another partner to finish out the shots. And the plan at this moment, and this actually kind of plays into this guy from India, is using the shots that he's already done and then supplementing it with a new vendor that can finish out the 20 that he he was still in the middle of working on. Mm. The problem is, is that all the the shots that I have from this guy in India for from the last round are all half res quick times. Mm. So they might not work, but if he if he can recover his data and at least export some DPXs of what he has done, then this might all work out. So that's we'll see. great. It's back on. Yay. So that's that. And then I Haunted Toy House, the producer that I had attached to it, she's really not going to help me raise the money and, and piece it together. So I've been reaching out to some other producers to find out what are my next steps on it, hoping to find somebody else that's just a little bit more excited about the project that can help me figure out how to raise money and package it together because I don't have that right now. It's, it's all on me and I knew it was all going to be on me, but I've sent out the script to a few more producers trying to get them interested. And then tomorrow I'm meeting with... With the writer and we're going to do another pass at the the draft nice try to get a little tighter because now i've shown it to like five people i think and got notes you being one of them and have a bunch of ideas i want to try and, and just make it better better with another pass and then hopefully that one will be like the one that we can just keep sending out and get interest and yeah write it as we get closer to the shoot just do everything i said and then you'll so be fine we'll just, yeah we'll just take all rick's notes everything exactly <laughs> no okay. nothing else no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you're no, you're right. Great. Everyone else is wrong. No, no. I mean, I think that's that's the wonderful thing about rewriting and writing is like getting a bunch of different opinions and then filtering in your own opinion based off of what other people have said and being like, mm, I like that. I hate that. I like that note. I don't like that note. That's great. That's stupid. And then, you know, hopefully some of them all converge and people are saying the same thing. And then you can really think about those things. And, uh, yeah, you know. I find it takes me a long time for feedback to soak in. Oh yeah. The feedback that you gave me on spirit machine is just now starting to make sense. And when, and when did, <laughs> 
did we sit down and talk about it? That was like a year ago. Yeah, (laughs) there you go. Yeah. I get so locked into how I think something should be done. And then you share it with people and then they like notice things that I didn't notice. And I'm just like, I'm kind of resisting it for a while. Like, I don't know. I don't know if they're right. Maybe they're not right. That's not what I was trying to do. Then just keeping that in the back of my head and and watching movies. You had me watch um, Monster Squad. I watched goosebumps over the weekend Mm. which you know and then the transformers and seeing similarities to that script and then realizing that yeah i can do better and that alric was right alric was right i said it publicly i can't can't believe it we're gonna come in heaven right now oh damn it (laughs) you stole this from me i had a moment of glory here no i think you were right i want to sit down with you again on spirit machine yeah i mean it's probably not even that drastically different it's just more of a tone tonal Mm -hmm. thing you know but yeah i'd love to talk to you about that that'd be fun cool so that's me what's going on with you you start editing the rage yet yeah well i'm I'm, i have that that demo reel for that actor that i'm working on so i have to like mainly focus on that and you're editing uh, that too yeah that was part of the deal to to like you know provide her with all these different deliverables like four scenes and a demo reel um, oh, wow. When's that due? February 20th. So I still have some more time to do yeah. it. Trying to get that done as soon as I can so I can focus on other things. But, have uh, you shared anything with her yet? No, not yet. Is yeah. she anxious? Is she writing you? Where's my stuff? No, she's really hands... I think we have an understanding of the deadlines of when she wants to see things and um, she's not ha- hassling me too much. Although I feel like I need to give her something by the end of this week just because uh, it's, it's been a little while, you know? Yeah. But I mean, I had the rage to do in between all this so i mean it kind of makes sense it's definitely less fun to edit the actors reel because it's like not that it's not you know interesting but it's just you know they're they're not going to tie together to one full story so it's just like like a 40 second scene here a minute scene here you know whatever so it's it's just not as fun and then i jump over and look work on the rage for a second and i'm like oh my god oh this is cool i want to i want to edit this but i'm still just thinking sound on that one Mm-hmm. But you're just you're looking at the dailies at this point. Yeah, I'm looking at the dailies. It's funny because so I didn't have a real sound person on uh, the Rage. I just had this guy who's kind of like he's really new, and uh, I had him just run sound on a Zoom. You know, he didn't really understand that you have to like check with the camera department and see if the camera is running sound or like provide a mic for the camera so it, like you have a scratch track or whatever. So it's really funny. The Red has no audio at all on it, so matching the sound it. Feels feels like film you know? yeah yeah exactly because it's, it's just the slate and you just have to put the one soundtrack <laughs> to the slate rather than matching two soundtracks which is what you normally do so it's been kind of fun i feel like old timey like looking you, at this normally you have a camera reference and then you do the like automatic sync i hate the automatic sync i've had problems with it before and this is probably mm. just from older versions of it and trying to do a lot of footage at once so i i've always just i just do it myself now i just you know i i, just, I don't know why I just feel like it's just a process that I enjoy and it takes a little bit longer, but I feel like you, there's no room for error if you do it that way. Whereas yeah. sometimes I've had those automatic sync programs like put the wrong clip to the wrong, you know, the wrong audio with the wrong video or just like have some sort of error or mm-hmm. I don't know, whatever. I just feel like, ah, I'll just do it. I'm watching the dailies that way anyway. So it sort of just kind of helps me get familiar with the footage too, you know? Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think that's probably a good step. Like when you're editing something is just to go, to like force yourself to watch everything. Yeah. And that happened on Spirit Machine. My editor was telling me like, you can give me the takes that you like, like your circle takes and I'll just look at those. 
photos or you can just not show me that sheet and I'll look at everything. Yeah. I feel <laughs> like those notes are just, you, to me at least, are useless. Like I got a, a binder of camera notes from uh, my last, from the from brother and I'm just like, like I'm just looking at this stuff and, and like I just found it and I was cleaning my office the other day. I just found it. I'm like, <laughs> I never looked at this. This is uh, like tons of pages. Like this is just useless, you know? It kind of is, right? Yeah. You I end up know. just going through the footage anyways. And yeah. what works on set doesn't necessarily work in the edit. Right, right. You know, like the, the, your favorite take on set's not always the one that works the best in the edit. Yeah, I shouldn't really be bad mouthing this though because this is like what I'm going to be doing on this feature. <laughs> it's like taking notes and, Yeah, you know, but script super is not just taking notes for the editor it's also like just keeping track of everything for the shoot itself right yeah it's it's a lot of things but i mean that is one of the main responsibilities but yeah it's not the only responsibility that's true. And probably every editor works in a different way once you get like piles of footage it probably does help to have a sheet that you can go back to and say where was where did we even shoot that one like pickup shot of this thing that i that the director is telling me they know we have right right yeah like, rather than going through hours of footage you might be able to just go through some pages and be like where is it i talked to the editor even before i was hired on this thing because i guess they wanted his sign off on me because he's the one who's going to be reading this stuff that i provide for him and uh it sounded like he found it very useful and that he uses it you know we talked about exactly what he was looking for and apparently what i did on the last movie was exactly what he wants so i was like ah perfect should be easy but uh we'll see how it goes i'm excited and it's happening for sure for sure well, the yeah, the one that I'm script supervising is absolutely yeah. happening. Yeah, that we have our cast. The director's really sweet. She keeps on emailing the crew as we get the cast uh, secured, which is oh, uh, nice. not how it normally goes. Usually, you like find out like when <laughs> yeah. you show up who's going to be in the movie. But yeah, because I think she's just really excited to land these these actors. When is the shoot? It uh, starts March seventh and goes through April fifth or something. So oh, wow, so you have editing this reel until February twentieth. Yeah. And then you only have like two weeks before you start shooting this feature. Yeah. Yeah. So when's, when are you going to find time to edit the edit the Rage? In, in between. I hope, hopefully, I don't know if it'll be able to be done before I start then this feature. I mean, I would oh, love it to no. be, but... Uh, it's got to be, already. Oh, this God. This project's not supposed to last until May. I know, but... It's already on track, too. I know. <laughs> but I mean, I don't want to rush it, you know? Yeah. I, I do want to have like some sort of sound designer or, or composer work on it. And uh, I just feel like what will end up happening is I'll, I'll get the cut ready before I start working on this feature. And then uh, it'll be with sound designers and stuff while I'm working on the feature. But I mean, we have like two days off a week. We're not working six days. We're working five days a week. And there's a couple times where we have three days off in a row so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm gonna have time to do other things in between at least a little bit you know so i don't know it should be okay I, I i will see you're right though it'd be nice to have the movie online in march right before i go yeah, on that's what i thought you're gonna do that was the plan it doesn't sound like that's gonna happen we'll see hey I'll man i'll be honest i'll be honest it's february 2nd i have many many days to do this you know and not a lot of other things going on really sadly <laughs> well, well actually that's to not me, true. That's, that makes it hard to do stuff. I feel like I'm yeah. more productive when I have a lot of stuff to do. That's true. It I mean, forces me to, to work. I do have that feature that I'm producing too. And, and I mean, it's a little early to start doing a lot of things, but there there are a bunch of things that I need to do on that as well. So, I mean, juggling those three projects is, is that's enough, <laughs> I think, for, for February. I just need to really, you know, u- utilize my time correctly and uh, be disciplined, you know, and not, not waste yeah. a lot of it doing other things. Although, I mean, it's also time to do taxes too. So, I mean, 
mean, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot going on. <laughs> so have you budgeted any time towards the alternate or that's just off to the side? It's kind of off to the side. I, uh, rewriting. Um, yeah, I want to, I want to fix, um, there's basically the main, the female leads character I feel like is really one dimensional right now. And I have a lot of ideas of how to make her more interesting and sort of bigger give, boobs. <laughs> yes. Bigger <laughs> boobs, bigger butt. Just, uh, <laughs> write that into the three movie. Three dimensional. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> very, very good. <laughs> there's a lot of things I know about the character that right. aren't in the script ask people about they like do not get it all and then they sort of even get an, an opposite impression so I sort of want to go in there and tighten that up and then there's another aspect that people seem to be missing I got some more feedback uh, the wonderful Mark Magical read my script last week oh, cool. in like four hours or something crazy like that yeah. and gave me the most wonderful feedback it was really encouraging it was like he loved it and he basically said the same thing the last person said or the same two or three things yeah it just sort of feels like it's converging in this in this way where Every, everyone's starting to say very similar things and everyone's kind of also saying the same positive thing which is like this story feels very personal I can see why you need to make this movie or something along those yeah. lines and that's it's great. like that's the best thing anyone could say yeah dude congrats yeah I feel like you know you're getting near the end when the notes do start converging on the same thing because when it's not in a good place everyone has so many ideas and it's kind of like all over the place and I think people kind of want different movies and they they feel like it should be done a different way but when it's like it's being told well and it's just there's a few things that can be done better then I feel like the notes just kind of keep pointing to those things over and over again yeah uh, I think you're in a good place I, I mean last time that I haven't read the latest draft but the last time that I was working on it I, I felt like I felt really good about it yeah yeah so I mean I guess if, if I had a f- clean schedule like I would, I'd be rewriting that and then I'd also just be um actually I'd probably be going to people who are willing to help me out and just start presenting the project to them and seeing if I can get people to write me some checks and just yeah. start um uh Ordering away, you know, a couple hundred dollars here, a thousand dollars here, like that kind of thing. You just start amassing whatever I can, even if it's just a five thousand dollars, you know, and just put it in the bank, put it in the bank, open a bank account for the movie, just start that process. But I mean, since I have another feature I'm producing and this other feature I'm working on, it sort of feels like (laughs) I should just give those my energy first. And then later after that, I can I can refocus on my own movie. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like I am done with shorts, though. Like, uh, there's no more. I mean, I have a lot of short ideas and there's a lot of <laughs> like, I love the format. Like I was realizing the other day that it's not like, oh, I'm making shorts because I, I can only make shorts and mm-hmm. I should really be making features. I mean, that's part of it. But it's also like, I just love the idea of being able to tell a little story. Mm-hmm. you know, in a five to 10 minute, you know, format, because it's like, oh, you can kind of do anything. You can go anywhere. You can try a bunch of different genres. If something isn't really fit for 90 minutes, you can just do it in five or in 10 or whatever. So, you know, I know I'll always be making short films at one time or another, but I feel like, like I can't just keep on making shorts and then expect that the feature will just kind of materialize. I have to just focus all energy on the feature. So basically like as far as my own personal project, after the rage is edited and brother is out and the rage 
pages out and all that stuff. Like the next thing is just the feature. And I don't know how many years it's going to take me to make it, but I mean, that's just going to be my drive for the next, you know, X amount of time until I can get that movie well, shot. I think the exciting thing is even though you're, you're not in the director's chair, then your next two projects are feature films. Yeah, exactly. You know, and like you, that's going to go up on IMDb. It'll have 2016 stamp on it or 2017. And I think it'll help you get the alternate made. Oh yeah. You'll have, you'll be fresh off of these projects and, and you'll learn how to do the alternate better by having this experience of working on other people's features. Oh yeah, man. I mean, that's, that's sort of the goal is to just work on feature movies, you know, however I can lucky enough to work on one last year. And now this year looks like I'm, I'm already set to work on two. I mean, that's a pretty, it's a pretty good start to the year, you know? So is it financially sustainable to work on features? Like what's the, what's the pay rate compared to like a <laughs> corporate video? You like, don't have to give me dollar figures, but like... Yeah, like a fifth or, or, really? or yeah. less. Because that's sixth? what... That's kind of my impression. This is a little bit of a segue too. I set that up. <laughs> Ooh, boom. But that's kind of what I feel like a lot of the reason like people do commercial work is because it pays so much better that in, in a kind of strange way, commercials are funding all the like independent film projects. Right. So it's like, for instance, I go work at, at Spy Post and they hook me up all the time on my independent films. But if they, they can't just do all independent films, they just want to be able to stay in business. So it's kind of like they have the high paying commercial work and then they have the low paying independent film work, which they really they have passion for. And they just they kind of balance each other out. And I feel like that's a lot of the reason like people work in the commercial industries because there's such a disparity in like pay that you can make a lot of money in commercials and that helps pay for like fun stuff. Yeah, I mean that's what everybody that I know does for their uh, you know, their pay is commercial work of some yeah. kind. I mean that's what I do. I don't do like national commercials or anything, but I mean what I shoot is like corporate video for companies, like web videos, whatever. And I mean yeah. and that's anything where there's well. a client involved. Yeah, totally. Right. The pay the pay rates different, and, and it's like people aren't willing to negotiate on their rates for stuff that clients are involved with. Oh, absolutely not. Right? Yeah, the bigger the client, the, <laughs> the least amount of negotiation you can you can have. You know, right? But, like we had a creative director at my agency that made a feature film for a hundred thousand dollars. To get a hundred thousand dollars for any type of commercial inside the agency was kind of like laughable, and he would always point that out. He's like, "Well, I, I shot a feature film for a hundred thousand dollars." But we can barely scrape together like a 60 second web video for $100,000. Like, why is that? <laughs> Part of it, I think, is just because people aren't willing to do independent film rates on commercials. And rightly so, like, you shouldn't let clients get away with getting things for free. Like right. That's, I think that's part of it. Yeah. But I think there's a good middle ground between those two. I mean, you can, you know, I mean, I don't think every commercial has to cost $100,000. I think you can make one for like, you know, $20,000 or $30,000 or $50,000 or whatever, you know, I guess it depends on what you're trying to do. Obviously, it's hard when you're in that mindset of like, you know, 100000 plus budgets. It's like hard to like scale back down into the lower budget realm of things. Mm-hmm. But when you come from the lower budget realm, it's like, oh yeah, hundred thousand. Okay, no problem. No problem. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, you know. well, we have a a huge lunch budget left over. Yeah, right. Or a wrap party. That's what independent filmmaking does for you too. Is like you figure out how to get things done for nothing because you don't have anything, you know. Mm-hmm. And then you know can do a shoot for two thousand dollars you know in one day or whatever you know which you would never really be able to do normally or whatever yeah i mean that's what we did with over my dead body worked out pretty good 
Yeah. Made a, made a what sweet would you want, movie. What <laughs> would you want to put all that time and energy and, and sacrifice your pay to make a, a pizza commercial? Well, yeah, of course not. Not unless exactly. it was a monster a- movie pizza commercial. <laughs> and even then, you know. <laughs> well, that's why I think that you can get things done for cheap, but unless the creative is good, unless it's a good script, I think it's hard to convince people to like take pay cuts and, and give you things for free. And I wouldn't want to go ask my friend's parents to use their house for free if it's like just a, a stupid little commercial. But when oh, it's like no it's a way. fun, you know, film project. Yeah, of course. Like, yeah, we can go shoot a movie for $3,000, but shoot a commercial for 3000 I wouldn't want to. No. Unless it was amazing and I really wanted to do it, which happens a lot. We can get stuff the cheapest at my company when we have a really good script because people just want to be a part of it. But that's not too often. A lot of times, you know, advertising is just selling selling pizza yeah selling pizza selling deodorant selling yeah, two uh, for 19.99 yeah exactly <laughs> so why why don't you talk you about jump this into it? yeah why don't you do you set set this up because this is your world you know and uh, i feel like this is something that you're passionate about obviously so uh let her rip on the commercial talk all right so topic of the week are commercials a good training ground to become a feature director so Ridley Scott, Spike Jones, David Fincher, they all had commercial directing backgrounds. So does that mean that we should all start with commercials and work our way up from there? Of course, there's many paths that we can all take. This is actually something I don't hear people talking about anymore. I feel like 10, 20 years ago, people talked about starting in commercials a lot more than they do now. And now I feel like people are more on Ulrich's side of things where it's like, well, if I want to do features, I'm just going to do features. Yeah. I don't, and I don't know what, what changed, but it could be just like the culture of commercials has changed. Like, how do you feel as a viewer with commercials right now? Because we're no longer watching TV as much as we are anymore. Mm. I think it's interesting to see like platform like YouTube, which started out with no commercials, now feels a lot more like TV where you have to watch a commercial before you can watch a video. Yeah. Like where, where do commercials fit into your world from a viewer standpoint? I guess I enjoy them, but I think it's because, you know, I, I'm, I'm also kind of thinking about like the storytelling aspect of these commercials. And I mean, I'm not like trying to be a commercial director, but I mean, I feel like it would be fun to make one. At, you know, on a higher level at some point, you know, so I sort of like study them and like, oh, what do they do here? That's a stupid commercial. That's a really great commercial. You know, like, I guess <laughs> you I look d- at it from a craft standpoint. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big judger of these commercials, you know, <laughs> but I, I am the guy who like, if a, a cool looking commercial comes on, I will be like, shut up. I want to watch this. <laughs> you really? know? Yeah. But I mean, I don't think a lot of people, you know, are like that with me because a lot of these commercials are like little movies, you know, and I feel mm-hmm. like they're getting more and more like that. Like they're trying to be super super cinematic they're really trying to like appeal to the the eye of uh somebody who's who's trying to watch a story you know and so i feel like that's sort of why i enjoy them to some extent you know i feel like most of the time people are just trying to avoid commercials i feel like i i spend my whole life making stuff that people are gonna just try to avoid well, I don't know. I mean, I, I wonder if people are trying to, I mean, because what's the point of trying to avoid them? You can't avoid them. They're everywhere. I mean, yeah. you go on a website. Well, that's what I mean. It's like you go to the movie theater. 
commercials are playing before the movie. You're watching TV. There's commercials in between the show breaks. You're on YouTube. The commercials are popping up before you watch a video. It's like you can't. People are like figured out ways to avoid those commercials by fast forwarding through them on their DVR or going to the movie theater late or you just kind of tune out when it comes up on YouTube. Like you're yeah, but you can't. We're but trying can't. to get like people's attention through these commercials, but I feel like people are avoiding them they like don't even want to be pandered to which is i think like the the biggest trick that we have to do is like how do you make something compelling enough that people want to just watch it because it's fun and entertaining and i don't think a lot of commercials do that well i don't know i feel like the the culture of the super bowl commercials like people do love that stuff and i think it carries on throughout the rest of the year as well you know like i mean you'll see people writing stories about cool commercials that have come out you know i I don't know i mean i I wonder if it's just me and it's just because like we're sort of in like the you know, we're in California and in like one of the, the hip coast cities. Maybe it's not like that everywhere else. Maybe in Delaware, people don't give a damn about commercials and they're trying to avoid them. But I kind of feel like, you know, you still hear, I think you still hear people talking about commercials. Like, you know, like they, that famous Dockers commercial from the 90s that everyone was talking about or whatever. I feel like, I feel like that stuff still happens. I don't know. Maybe you're just a little bit biased or. Well, it's hard for me because I'm in the industry. Right. So when I hear people talk about commercials, it's, ad people talking about other ad people's commercials. So I'm I'm not like with the everyday Joe. I don't know how people really view commercials, but my impression is everyone's just trying to avoid them because I myself would love to live in a commercialist world actually. Like I yeah. they kind of they're annoying. They come up in the the most inopportune times and I don't really sit there and watch commercials for fun. If a good commercial comes on and it catches my attention, I'll be like, "Oh, that's cool." So much of my day is watching commercials just to like find companies and directors that I I don't really seek them out outside of my job. Yeah, I mean, I don't wouldn't say I seek them out by any means, but I mean, mm-hmm. if a cool one comes on, I want to watch it, you know. Yeah. Um, or do you remember anything in recent memory that stood out to you as being a good commercial? Uh, or that you heard somebody talk about? No, which is which is funny because it's like. For having just said that I like to watch them or if there are ones that are interesting to not be able to actually tell you what any of them were. I don't know if that says what that says about me or what that says about the commercial. (laughs) Well, I feel like they're temporary. It's a it's a temporary emotion. They don't last, which is the reason I like feature films or long form stories is because I feel like when you get to that emotional component, like it sinks into people and it's something that you can keep it keeps like coming back to you. Yeah. Whereas commercial, like, yeah, you can make somebody feel something in 30 seconds or make them think something in 30 seconds. But I feel because it's not long enough, it's just a temporary experience that then disappears. And it's hard to, it's hard to remember like what was a good commercial. I've seen some good commercials. I've seen some great commercials. I think they're out there, yeah. but they don't stick in my brain the, the same way long form stories do. And that's probably why I'm just more interested in long form than I am in commercials. It's funny. I remember one from last year's Super Bowl that I absolutely hated. It was this Coca-Cola one <laughs> that was so pretentious and stupid. All these different people from all around the world and like all of them like just drinking Coke and doing something positive <laughs> like with their son or their daughter or at a school. And it's like yeah. there's Coke like everywhere. And then at the end it's like live Coke or something stupid and I'm just like I, I got so mad I, I just hated it but I mean I remember that commercial <laughs> and I hated it and I know that it's a Coke commercial so <laughs> right. wait did it do its job by making me hate it so much or is it like now I'm not gonna actually drink Coke because fuck Coke they fucked me I know I think about that all the time like what is effective advertising 
Because I feel like a lot of the big companies, all they want to do is just get their name out there in a positive way and not piss people off. And I think just that association is just kind of like keeps that brand out in people's minds. I don't think it really compels people to go and buy that product. Yeah. But it's like if you watched a, a good commercial, like I think Old Spice did some really interesting commercials. But did that make me go buy Old Spice? No. But it changed my perception of like the brand. Yeah, it made me want to ride a horse and uh, you know look like <laughs> right. Terry Crews. That's what it made me yeah. Do. So it's in, it's I, it's weird. I don't, I don't really understand how advertising works. I don't feel it changing my decisions. Like, how do you change the mind of a lot of people? Yeah, you know, quickly. Well, this became a really macro conversation about commercials. Let's let's bring it back to more of the topic. Yeah. Um, you left off uh, my boy Zach Schneider off this list. Oh, uh, yeah, Zack started... Snyder, J.C. Chandor, Joseph Kaczynski. Michael Bay, maybe, too? Michael maybe? Bay, totally. Yeah, I think Michael, Michael Bay. Bay did the Got Milk commercial with the peanut butter and yeah, Aaron Burr. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, there's a lot of directors that started out in commercials. So does that mean we should all start with commercials? I think that's a really important question, but I, I don't think the same answer is true for everybody. Because I thought about this a lot, right? Like when you're you're just coming out of film school and you're trying to figure out, like, how do I become a filmmaker? Like, how do I become the next mm-hmm. big time director? And then you look at the directors that are there now and like, yeah, a lot of them started in advertising. A lot of them started in music videos first. And so mm-hmm. part of your brain is like, okay, well, I'm going to shoot a bunch of music videos and then I'm going to become famous and <laughs> for music videos and then I'm going to get my directing deal or same thing for commercials and mm-hmm. uh, I did some music stuff and I think I, I did some sort of commercially stuff but like I never I never went out and shot a spec or I never really did anything that was like really like looked like a fancy commercial it was more like mm-hmm stuff that I could actually get paid for, like corporate video stuff, you know, like right. that kind of level. And then at some point, I just sort of decided for myself that like, why should I like exert all this energy trying to make music videos or commercials when I really just want to make narrative movies? I should just do all everything I can to just make narrative films of, of what it, short films, feature films, whatever, like, but that's what I should be working on. And so that's how Strange Thing got made was I was like, sort of like, you know, working at my day job, like, okay, should I make music videos? Should I do this? Should I do that? And it was just like, no, no, fuck it. Like, you really just want to make a movie, a science fiction movie, go out and make a science fiction movie. So that's sort of what I've did. And since then, I've kind of just decided like, yeah, anything that isn't like a, a, a narrative movie is probably just a distraction. So I should just, you know, mm-hmm. that's okay to do other things. Like if it doesn't take up too much time or if it's like I'm getting paid to do it what I really need to be doing with my life and like every ounce of free time should be spent on narrative filmmaking so that's sort of just the decision I made for myself but it's not the right decision for everybody and obviously not for you not everyone's going to be cut out to be a commercial director not everyone's cut out to be a music video director not everyone's cut out to do corporate videos I think you kind of have to go where your style and your techniques like fit So actually, I wouldn't even say that I'm a really good fit for a commercial director. I think I became a good fit because I have so much experience in advertising. But my natural instincts are more like you. Like, I just want to do narrative work. But over the years, what happened was I wasn't shooting enough outside of work. And like, to me, it's a, a an opportunity to do more and to experiment and to to tell little stories that I can learn from and apply to my big project. So I think that, uh, you know, like the, there's a round table recently with a bunch of directors, uh, that the Hollywood reporter did. And, um, Ridley Scott was talking about 
how movies aren't that hard for him because he did before he started directing movies he did like 2000 commercials and that that was like 2000 different experiences that's like the exciting thing about commercials is very short form you're only involved in a production for like a month or two and you get to try like a bunch of different things so like in my career as a agency producer i've worked with puppets i've worked with cg i've done an explosion on set i've done just comedy dialogue stuff like i've seen so many aspects of production that it just gives me a more well-rounded view so like when when i'm working on my own project i know how to tackle it because i think part of a director's job is also to figure out production approaches and to say through their experience, like, oh, I, this we should do as a, a puppet or a model, and this we should do as CG. And I think being able to make all those smart decisions comes down to experience. Like David Fincher did some Orville Redenbacher commercials, oh, around, yeah. like right before Benjamin Button, that were terrible. They're really bad commercials. But I think he just took them because he wanted to experiment with the face replacement oh. technology that he ended up using on Benjamin Button. I'll, I'll try to find those and include in the show notes. Interesting. So they're terrible commercials, but I think all he saw was an opportunity to test this and have you have a client paying for stuff. Yeah, like that's what's so cool and about commercials is too. <laughs> clients. Yeah, clients have money. Like if I just rely on me to like put together short film project, I can only do one like once a year, or once every few years. Whereas a commercial, I could potentially do like one every month which is awesome. I could be shooting like every month and try new things and working with different actors. Well, that's like an extremely successful commercial director. But I mean, you could do that. Yeah, you could. I think extremely successful directors shoot more than once a month. I think they're they're shooting like every few weeks. Yeah. That's the next step for me is like, you know, if I do end up getting in the position of being a commercial director is like, how much am I do I want to put towards it? Because I I don't want it to take away from what I really want to do. But I want to use it to supplement that not only paycheck wise, but also creative wise and and try new things. Well, I I think that like, if you're going to go after the commercial director thing, there's nothing wrong with just making that your thing for a few years. Mm -hmm. And then coming back to the narratives later, because I feel like that's sort of what these other guys that you just mentioned did like they did it's not like they just did one commercial and then they did a movie and then they did one commercial and they did a movie they did like a career worth of commercials exactly and then they got to do the movie you know so it's like they i think they probably all did like least five years minimum of just commercial directing so i mean you look you think about it okay here's a this is like a little bit more existential but i mean right like you feel like right now it's like oh my god like i'm x old i want to be a filmmaker (laughs) i want to be a narrative filmmaker oh my god i gotta do it right now i'm getting older i gotta do it now while i still can and i feel like that train of thought is like sort of what we all like are programmed to have Mm -hmm. but it's like really false (laughs) because (laughs) like unless you're (laughs) 70 you you have a way more time than you think you do and even if you're 70 you probably still have a little bit more time than you think you do if you're if you're healthy so it's sort of like okay well i could have a 10-year career before i even become the narrative filmmaker that I want to be and that's mm-hmm. totally fine you just need to go where your heart is and like what your opportunity where your opportunities yeah, are exactly like I'm I'm totally taking advantage of the opportunity because yeah ha- if I did not work at the agency I don't think I would have an in to become a commercial director yeah because I really don't have much on my reel. It's all short films. And I think that's hard. Between like now and let's say like last July, you've already directed two commercials. 
Right. Yeah. So I feel like at this rate, if you put that same focus in for the rest of the year or even the next four years, let's say, mm-hmm. who knows how many you could direct in that time. And then like you come out on the other end and it's like, yeah, now I'm not a producer anymore. I'm a commercial director. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is what I do for my day job. And it's like, okay, well, now I can parlay that into a, uh, my first feature. Right. And the other cool thing is a lot of these commercial production companies also dabble in feature films. I think like once you're in that world and yeah, you're known as a director and you have experience, there's ways to use that to then hopefully get a movie made. That I think those are the advantages. I think there's some dangers though, because I think that advertising is completely different than narrative storytelling. Absolutely. I think that it's a very different style of directing. Yeah. And directors don't really get to see the post-production process. So I don't think that they... Like I was just having this conversation with another agency producer that probably the detriment of directors not being in the edit room is that they don't have to live with the consequences of the decisions they've made. And they don't know when things aren't working. So they don't really grow from that. So we listed probably, what, 10 different famous filmmakers who started as commercial directors. But like how many commercial directors do you think there are, like let's just say in America by itself? Like like hundreds, right? Thousands yeah, even. Yeah, I, I couldn't even tell you. Yeah, I mean, so I feel thousands, like... Thousands, thousands. Yeah, this sure. is probably... This is this not probably. This is like a great minority, right? So, right, and I feel like all these guys that we're talking about, like the really, like the really good storytellers, Michael Bay aside, I think that <laughs> Burn. they, Ouch. I think they genuinely have an interest in feature films, and probably were like treating commercial. Like a lot of them were treating commercials as like a, a place to just hone their craft and get paid for it. But I think there's a lot of commercial directors that just kind of do the feature film because it feels like the next step. This is the thing I was going to say is like commercials are so much more forgiving when you screw up because it's Mm. only 30 seconds and you can kind of build the commercial in a hundred different ways. You can move the shots around. Whereas when you're telling a story and things have to happen linearly, I feel like a lot of commercial directors just aren't as good with that because they don't realize that it's less forgiving once you get up to that scale. Right. So I feel like there's commercial directors that you can tell when you watch their features that they're commercial directors because it doesn't, it's the story is just not told well. Mm. And they're, it's more visual. Like, I don't think Zack Snyder is a really strong storyteller. Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's not take, visually, let's say things we can't you know, take back. <laughs> he's visually, <laughs> his stuff is amazing. It's so good. But. <laughs> Man, Sucker Punch was a mess. Oh, I didn't see Sucker Punch. I just, <laughs> oh, okay. I'm a really big fan of uh, Man of Steel. I, I really, I love yeah. that Superman movie a lot. And people. Well, he's gotten stronger. I'll give that to him. But yeah. I, I think he has some weaknesses in the storytelling department. Joseph Kosinski, I feel the same way. Like mm. Tron was beautiful. It looks so great. But from a storytelling standpoint. Yeah, okay. I, I was a big, I was let down by Oblivion. That was, I think, his follow-up to oh, Tron. Yeah. I was like, man, come on, dude. Like, such a cool concept, such a cool setup. And I right. just feel like the way that that was handled just wasn't as cool as it could have right. been. Right. So I feel like what happens with a lot of commercial directors, like, their work looks amazing because they're really good with the technical details. But they don't necessarily have the craft built in the storytelling department because you don't really need to tell a big story in 30 seconds. You know, it's it's more about like a scene almost. And I feel like some of Ridley Scott's early films too are, are kind of like that. Yeah, it's interesting when you're talking about this because it's like, it just makes me, it just, I think it just proves that filmmaking is a really collaborative <laughs> thing. 
Yeah. Like literally collaborative art because like really Scott, you know, he directed Alien, which is probably one of the best movies or is the one of the best movies ever made, you know, yeah. and like just such a perfectly told story. Like all the information you get is just given to you at the exact right moment. It should be given to you. It's perfectly tight. It's just mm-hmm. just an experience. And but he's made movies after that that are like totally lamo, you know? <laughs> so right. it's like I feel like you get you get the right people together, you get the right collaborators, you get the right team and then you can tell something amazing with a certain director at the helm. But I mean it's not always gonna work out that way, you know? Like it just depends. Some directors are only good when they have a really good writer, you know? So yeah. it's like it depends. And I feel like commercial directors more than anyone else need like a really a writer that just really knows like the long form of it because they're just yeah. not gonna know it. Oh, I was gonna say one other plus about working in advertising is I think it teaches you how to deal with clients. Which oh, yeah. if you ever get, I, I don't know what it's going to be like for independent filmmaking and what those investors are like, but definitely if you ever make a movie that's in the studio system, you're going to be dealing with people that are kind of like clients. So right. I think the the good thing about advertising is just having to collaborate with creatives from an agency, also collaborate with clients that represent the marketing arm of a, a bigger company. I think that teaches you a lot. I feel like I'm so well prepared to make creative arguments to people that if I didn't have that experience would be really hard for me. I'd just be like, I don't know. It just, it feels right. Okay. It just, it's what I want to do. Sometimes that's the, worst the best thing answer though. <laughs> yeah, but it's hard to talk people into it if they have that's like true. an argument against it. Right, right, right. Research right. shows that... Fuck your research. It's not about research. It's about emotion. It's about feeling. Well, what's your impression about how commercials get made? Yeah, I mean, my well, my guess would be that it's not always the same, that it, it's different depending on the commercial. From my experience working at production companies, it's usually the client comes to the production company or the agency with an idea or a concept or like, we need to tell, we need to make a commercial that does X, Y, Z. Here's what we were thinking. What do you think? You know, or like maybe they don't have any ideas, but I'd imagine it all starts with the client and then it sort of goes from there. And I mean, the agency is always trying to please the client as best they can. So I, I don't really know how it works at a place like Goodby, but I imagine that they're just trying to make the, the client happy while at the same time doing the best job of creating the most interesting, most fun, cool commercial they can. Something like that. I think you're describing a client relationship that we've had for a while. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because like, I think what my agency, Goodby Silverstein and Partners, does really well is taking a brand that needs to be reinvented and reinvigorating it with life. So I feel mm. like the best time to do great work with the client is like the first year because they usually come to you and they're desperate. They're like, we don't know what's happening, but we used to be this huge company and now no one's buying our stuff anymore. What's going on? And then mm. we go and we figure out why. The first step is always the clients come to us with a problem that they need to solve. So it can be something as simple like Adobe says, we want to celebrate Photoshop's 25th anniversary, but it can be more complicated like milk saying, all right, people aren't buying milk as much. We don't know what's going on. Like, can you guys help us figure this out? And if it's a more complicated problem, then we have like a research and planning department that goes out and talks to people and tries to figure out like, what is the perception of milk? Why aren't people drinking milk? Oh, you know what's happening is energy drinks on the market are taking customers away from what people used to 
drink milk for. Like people don't need calcium from milk anymore or protein from milk. They can just buy these energy drinks. So that's our competition. And, you know, they figure out exactly what's going on. And then they give those results to the creative team and says, all right, here's the problem. Here's what we found out about the problem. Here's some ways we think that weighs in to talk to consumers and help solve the problem. And then creatives come up with a bunch of ideas around that and present it to the client. And there's Mm. usually a bunch of ideas on the table. They'll present several different campaigns and it takes months and months of time. So you have to think about like all the time that a creative team invests into selling something through and collaborating with the client to come up with a solution and a series of, you know, TV commercials in my case that are going to do their job. Right. Um, and, and then once everyone's on board, they agree to a budget and the scripts come to my desk and I'm told, here's, here are the scripts. Here's how much we have to spend. And we need these to be on the air in three months. And Mm. then I have to help start piecing it together and present director options to the creative team. If there's visual effects, find the visual effects house that can do these types of visual effects, choose an editor that kind of matches with the style of it. So I'm like putting together all the pieces of it, getting the creatives to sign off on it. And then we present it to the client and the client signs off on it. And then we award the job to the person we like the best. And then we go off and we make it. And the the director's only involved in like that one piece of the, of the production, which is the shoot, like during that month, like prepping and shooting. But there's months and months before they even get involved where it's just the creative team. So that kind of, that's why I think that directors are only there for the shoot is because the creative teams are just as invested. It's almost like TV where it's like the writers have the power and the directors just come in to kind of like shoot it. Right. Will any of your clients ever just come to you with a concept they already have and they want you to execute it? Or are they always just saying like, here's our problem. How do you, how do we solve it? I'm sure it happens. That's not the ideal way to work. Like our, our agency is considered like we consider ourselves to be a creative agency. So like the creatives have the most power mm. and that means that we are always trying to create the best stuff there's probably agencies out there that it works in different ways and every agency kind of has their own specialty or like the way that they operate and do business i feel like my company just wouldn't let clients come up with ideas we'd be like Mm. no that's not we're not going to do that well what are you guys trying to solve We'll, and we'll go concept for you. It's interesting because I worked at a small production company, like, you know, four or five team members maximum sort of thing. Yeah. And, you know, they get calls in from different clients and sometimes it would be like that. Their creative team had already put together the whole concept and the boards and everything. Yeah, and I'm like, that's so Here, interesting. you do it. And it's Just like, go execute it. Exactly. And then it was <laughs> always like, always a battle, like, because like the mm. the company would always be like no 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 like it, this isn't this isn't gonna work this isn't the best way to do this like here's another idea and sometimes they'd be able to convince them to like go with their idea but sometimes it was like that was not at all like they would just go call another production company so and of course our the company wants the business so they'll they'll just do what the client wants you know yeah. and that usually ends up causing you know not resulting in the best commercial because usually mm-hmm. like a small creative team at like a private company isn't going to have as much experience and they, and they never they don't make commercials on their own they just you know do like whatever print or web or you know mm-hmm. hire other companies so it's better to go with people who do it for a living than like people who just oh 
I got to throw a video together. Like, here's a great idea for a commercial. Like, you know, I mean, yeah. and I mean I, you see that a lot on the smaller, the lower budget side of things. Yeah, that makes sense. And then I think the other danger in that is like one of the things that we do is we talk to different directors and try to find the best fit because you always want somebody who sees it the same way that the creative team and the client sees it. Because otherwise, yeah, you're just battling back and forth because they're like, oh, that's not what I thought it was. And they're like, well, that's what it is. And then you're just like, right. you know, you're constantly fighting about it. So we always talk to three directors during the bidding process and choose one. So mm. like the, the batting average for a director is pretty low. Like you're probably constantly bidding projects and writing treatments and not right. getting jobs. But the, the whole reason we do that is to, so we can make sure that the director sees it the way we see it and that the client trusts them too. So that way you're not constantly in battles and the director's there to help support the vision and, and push it into a better place. I was going to say what a director brings to the table. Creatives are always looking for a director that's going to take their idea and make it better. That's always mm. what they're looking for. Like I think that the more I do this, the more I see that creative teams are really good at writing, but they don't always see how it's going to come out in the end. They don't mm. see, they don't understand the leap into the finished product. So what they need is a director to come in and, and kind of push things in, mm. in a direction that kind of supports what they've already done, but does it in a way that uses the experience of actually producing stuff. If you get hired on as a director onto a spot for your company or whatever, and they already have the boards and the scripts and everything all set, do directors sometimes have the power to change things? Or is it like, no, this is what we've already decided. We've been working on this for six months. You just <laughs> do what we want you to do. Yeah, it depends on the project and it depends on the creative team and depends on the client, depends on the, the director. It, mm. Yeah, it's the case by case. There's some creative teams that don't like a director touching anything. They want just, they want the script to be done as written. And then there's some creative teams that are totally open to it and they'll invite the director to come up with better ideas. The Tostitos project that I just did with Jared Hess, like they, they were asking Jared to come up with new ideas like while he was writing the treatment and he brought a lot to the table he brought a lot of new things to the table that we hadn't even thought of so yeah it just depends mm, cool Is, are those Tostitos commercials out already? yeah yeah oh we should put them in the show notes yeah that'd be uh, cool one of them's called Game Day and the other one is called Kids Birthday they should both be on YouTube huh, okay cool yeah sometimes you talk about these commercials uh, on the podcast or whatever and I'm like watching TV like trying to figure out so, is that one of them is that one <laughs> but I, I never know so it'd be cool to just see some yeah, of the ones right. that you've I know. Uh, I kind of, worked on yeah live the secret life as an agency producer I don't really share my <laughs> stuff like over social media too often yeah well like, hey, I don't know commercial out you i did the photoshop should, anniversary one i was really proud of that one yeah I, man i feel like you can only do so a commercial can only be so great if you're just trying to sell chips or you're just trying to sell two pizzas at 1999 i think where commercials are really good is when they're <laughs> they're, they're about brands you know and you're just right. representing a brand and you're making something cool and saying like hey we we helped with this that's why i thought that photoshop commercial was so cool is like they weren't trying to sell photoshop they weren't talking about a deal they were just like celebrating it and yeah. some of the best stuff that i've done like for the nba for instance is not about watch the game this saturday it's just like hey we're the nba this is what we represent and i love yeah. those kind of commercials i think when they just kind of represent the brand they're usually like more pure than 
the ones that are trying to push something. You know, it, it sort of feels that mo- like most commercials are trying to be like that. There are the some that are like, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, two Papa John's pizzas for twenty dollars, <laughs> whatever, you know. But I think most of them, like the state, like the State Farm Insurance uh, commercials, and right. all these other ones, they're just selling you on the brand of of the company. You know, yeah, like oh, we're so hip and cool because we're so funny with all our commercials. Like you should give us a call and trust us with your insurance because we're so clever right. or whatever. Yeah. And like Coke, like drink Coke because we're, everyone loves us and every, everything to do with Coke is so wonderful and, and, right. and Happy. human, happy and positive. <laughs> yeah. and, it's oh, true. So All, creative yeah. and be amazing. Drink Coke and you'll be creative yeah. too. Like so much know? of it is, yeah. Just trying to associate yourself with some sort of emotion or some sort yeah. of like, you know, feeling that, it's funny. It's, it's association. Exactly. That's why like yeah. celebrities and stuff are in these commercials. Cause it's like, Oh look, this celebrity drinks Budweiser. So you're going to drink Budweiser too, guy, <laughs> you know, like that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. I hate Which feeling is like, advertised too though. Like if I feel like that Coke commercial that you're talking about, if I feel like it's just an obvious blatant attempt to win my sympathies by associating me with happiness, then I'm just like, mm-hmm. Oh, gross. I feel like people are so savvy now with advertising that it actually makes our jobs really hard and that we almost have to fool people into watching stuff by just making it really entertaining. And I feel like the future of advertising is less about pushing stuff or like pushing the client's agenda and just letting people do cool things and then slapping a logo at the end of it and just being like, hey, this YouTube artist that you like made a video with us. It has nothing to do with our product. We just yeah. sponsored it. We paid for it. Ulrich Brussel, we paid for his feature film, The Alternate. Isn't that cool? Like, it's yeah. presented by Cheetos. Yeah. But there's no Cheetos products in, in Ulrich's movie. It's just... Oh, um, but I mean, I think there would be, wouldn't there? I mean, like, I, <laughs> I just, don't know. So I just was watching National Treasure, uh, one of the yeah. great classics of the uh, early 2000s. <laughs> right. Is um, there product placement in that? There is. There's a point where he's stealing the Declaration of Independence. He's at this huge gala event. He, like, did this whole secret agent shit, got the thing, and then he's, like, stuck in the gift shop, and he has the Declaration <laughs> under his jacket. And then he's, yeah. like, trying to leave. And then the woman working the gift shop is like, you you think you're going to leave without paying for that? Like, oh, you got to pay for that, man. Trying to steal like the Declaration of Independence, like, um, you yeah. know, replicas or whatever. And so he the has Visa to go and he's Express? like, uh, Visa. Because <laughs> he's like, he's like fumbling around trying to get $35 together. He has like $32. Right. And then like in his wallet the whole time you see the Visa thing right there. And so it's like probably a 10 second shot of his wallet with the Visa thing. And then yeah. the woman's like, we take Visa. And it's like, oh, we're in a Visa commercial now. Holy shit, what the <laughs> fuck just happened? This is I insane. I feel like that, the, that technique is so limited, though, that the people are catching on to it. Exactly. I think, like, 10 years ago, like, I think people were, like, saying the product in the movie, you know, like, yeah. oh, have a Subway or have a v- or use Visa or whatever. And I think yeah. now, like, filmmakers <laughs> are, are like, okay, you can't say it, but we'll just put it in the frame as blatantly <laughs> as possible show i just wanted to to know like what was your impression of goodby silverstein and partners before you knew me and now that you know me what is it has it changed 
coming up at a college, like everyone knows Goodby and, and everyone wants to work there and like, oh, they're the big, the big dogs in town. Like, oh, if I could just get a job, you know, directing a commercial for them or whatever, whatever. And then I'd heard from some friends of mine that Goodby was actually not doing so well because of all the small boutique production companies coming in and like basically stealing business and driving prices down in commercials and stuff. And that you guys were losing some of your big clients. And I don't know, this was probably like four or five years ago. I don't know. Like after meeting you, it seems like you guys are doing just fine. <laughs> it seems to be <laughs> any big problem. Like, you, you know, you're still making commercials and stuff and it seems like the business is changing, but you guys seem to be changing with it in whatever way you have yeah, to, I mean, you know, business so. is always changing. Like there's no status quo, like it, it, especially now, like with the internet, I feel like the internet disrupted advertising in such a huge way that it's no longer about just the, the traditional print and TV and I guess that was kind of mainly it, right? For a long time, mm-hmm. like that's how you would reach audiences. But now it's like, even when you make a video, it's like, where do you put it? Do you put it on TV? Do you put it on the internet? Where do you put it on the internet? Does it live on a page? Do you put it on YouTube? Do you like put it out over Vine? Do you do it on Twitter? Do you like, there's so many options that everyone's trying to figure it out. And I think the big challenge right now is going back to the beginning where I said, I feel like people are avoiding commercials is it's no, it's, we can't reach people in a mass way like we used to, where you put a commercial on TV and it just reached millions of people, except if it's a live event like the Super Bowl, which is why those spots cost so much money. I think it's more, it's becoming more and more about targeted advertising. Like we know exactly who we want to reach. Clients don't want to spend the same amount of money they would on a TV commercial to reach those people because it's a much smaller segment. So they want to spend less money. And there are all these production companies that are direct to client that the clients can go directly to with either ideas or have them act as an agency and come up with concepts. So that's the agency world's now competing with all those guys and we're trying to figure out how do we make stuff for like cheaper and faster and get it out there and and who how do we even target the people that our clients want everyone has ideas we don't even know if they work yet we don't even know if this like cheaper faster model is the way to do it but that's kind of like where it's headed at this very moment is that people want like really fastly created cheap content so they can put it up on the web for a yeah. week or two and then it's gone um, and so I think the opportunity for independent filmmakers is if you can get into the commercial world to make some of that stuff there's money there not a lot of money but I think if you can do it smartly and you don't have to do it with like union crews and union actors you can do some really fun stuff that clients will pay for so what's your advice to uh, filmmakers who want to get into commercial advertising should they go out and make a bunch of spec commercials and uh... Uh, you know, pull a reel together oh, and then try to shop themselves out. That's tough. I don't know how. I don't even know. My, I guess my advice is don't go after it. Like, don't don't make that your goal. Because don't go I think, after it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you... If you want to be a commercial director... If you want to be a commercial director and you try to make stuff that looks like commercials to get a commercial directing job, I think everyone will see through it. Mm. I think the, the people that, that I've seen make it as commercial directors tend to have like a very strong style. And usually what happens is somewhere along in the process, a creative director will say, find the young up and coming guy with like the fresh new voice. 
<laughs> and they don't want commercials that feel like other commercials. They want like the fresh thing. And so you'll go and find an up and coming filmmaker that doesn't have like a bunch of commercial work on their reel. That's maybe just done a bunch of music videos and some short films, but has like a strong sense of style. And they'll be like, oh, that's a great fit for what we're trying to do. So don't make a spec commercial. Don't go out and shoot a, a spec BMW commercial or a spec Ray-Bans commercial or anything like that. I've been told over and over again by the people I've been meeting with not to do that. That wow. agencies and production companies can smell a spec spot from a mile away. Mm. That my opinion beyond it not looking like a real commercial is if you're not having an experience with agency creatives and with clients, then shooting a commercial doesn't help you. Because what part of the reason everyone's looking for commercials on a reel in order to hire them for commercials is just to know that that person has experience working with clients and creatives. Right. So, they know how to be in the uh, the room and like solve problems and, you know, yeah. keep the client happy and then keep the agency happy and then, you know, but also tell a great story in 30 yeah, seconds. Yeah, it's like, can you, can you still <laughs> tell a story in spite of all the other stuff that you have to deal with, all the right. politics and stuff? So it's like doing it on your own, making a great 30 second commercial without all that stuff is not really that impressive. Like it's to be able to make it with all that stuff is impressive. Yeah. It's pretty much everything stacked against you for making good work a lot of times. Yeah. So you're basically saying, go out, tell the stories you want to tell, make the kind of thing that you want to make. And then yeah. if it's good, then, uh, you know, and it, it's a right fit for the commercial agency or whatever, or the, the, the brand that they're trying to sell, then they'll find you. Is that basically Yeah. Or a production company will find you like just find your voice and be unique like the best example I can think of right now is Jared Hess was not a commercial director he came out with Napoleon Dynamite and the commercial production company came to him and said wait how do you feel about directing commercials and he's like yeah that sounds cool and he became a commercial director off that movie because his style was so unique that somebody saw the potential of like using that style in the commercial space and then when people hired Jared Hess they wanted to work with with some Somebody who did Napoleon Dynamite style of stuff. Mm. So then he like brought that into the commercial world. And then since then, a lot of people have like taken that style and owned it. But mm. it all started because he had something unique. He had like a unique look that, uh, that people wanted to be a part of. So and I think if you guys go look at the Perez brothers, who we just met with last night, yeah. I think their, their reel doesn't really have any commercial stuff on it. But I feel like it's a great commercial reel. It, yeah, has it stuff. feels very like that, you know, like a yeah. very clear brand presence of some kind like every single know? one of their pieces feels like it came from the same guys yeah it's it's very clear you know it's it's like yeah. it's like anybody it's like you know having your own style and tone that feels distinct you know I think as a filmmaker I don't know if that's something that you really we talked about this before it's like is, is that something that you want to like shoot for to like have this really distinctive style and I think you just have to be true to what you want to make and the, the kind of stories that you are interested in and then that style yeah. will materialize and I think that's what happened with with them like I don't think they were like we want to make this kind of brand <laughs> that looks just like this I think they just made the things no, that interest them and then yeah. it kind of just happened you know in talking to them they're really interested in art direction and you can see that all their stuff is like oh, really yeah. art directed and that doesn't come because somebody's trying to like that you're trying to 
mock someone's style. It just comes because that's what they're interested in. They like that stuff. So, and it all shows. Like, I feel like my reel is so focused on performance that that's kind of like what I feel like people are attracted to working with me through. It's not, it's not other things. Just focus on the things that work to you. And then, and then if somebody approaches you or you want to pursue commercials, find out like what the common thread is between all your work and then try to position yourself as a director that's good with blank. Or like as you were said probably what, like six months ago or or four months ago, like just tell your, like get, get your first commercial job and however you can get that on your reel. And then, you know, from there you can grow. Cause that's basically what you're saying. Like you met with those production companies and you didn't have any commercials on your reel. And they were like, nah, these are more short films. Like, you know, direct a commercial, then come talk to us. And then you did that. And then suddenly the, the tune was completely different. Yeah. It, it opened doors. I feel like and people I, should just listen to what way- you did. <laughs> I felt a way to sell myself too, because I I heard before I had that first commercial piece on there that my reel was all over the place, that it didn't have like a distinct style, that there was comedy on there, there was some like just pure CG stuff, there was like live action mixed with CG. They're like, do you want to be a comedy director? Do you want to be like an emotional director? Like, what do you want to be? Once I had like that one commercial piece, then I was able to like pull my reel into a direction and be like, I want to mix visual effects with performance. Yeah, that that commercial was perfect for that did you, you should put that back up on the show notes this week too just yeah to, I will. to show people and i feel like it's one of those things where you wouldn't necessarily know how many how much visual effects are involved um but it's really pretty impressive i should um, do a breakdown of that spot you should you should do a little quick breakdown because like yeah, cause i remember cool. when you were talking to me about producing it i was like yeah you can just do it this way we could do it all practical blah 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 and then we had like a 10 minute conversation and i was like oh yeah <laughs> That would be very difficult. (laughs) Uh, Maybe it's better to do it CG. Holy shit. (laughs) Yeah, that was a fun project. And then this like new one that I'm doing now also mixes performance with CG. So like, I feel like I have like a path at this very moment and that can change at any time. But right now it's like, it's what people are excited about. And partly is because there's not a lot of directors doing it. So yeah, like that's, that's also the other thing. I think in commercials, mainly they want comedic directors like if you're really good at comedy, there's there's probably a career for you in commercial directing. If you're oh, more yeah. of a serious director, um, your stuff just has to look like really, really awesome and great. Yeah. Well, because like regional commercials are kind of more like corporate video and less like, you know, the big national commercials, which are, have huge crews and big concepts and all that stuff, you know, like yeah. I think it's more like going down to the local, you know, used car lot and you know, shooting crazy Larry talking about the deals, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Right. But I think a lot of directors got their start by directing local commercials and especially like lottery commercials. Oh, so it's yeah. Like, yeah. If you want commercial work on your reel, just find clients that are willing to pay you. And yeah. Just, yeah. And be smart about it and get some stuff. Don't try to go through an agency. That's almost impossible until you're represented. Yeah. Uh, until you're established and they want something from you or whatever, whatever. Yeah. Um, the one last thing I wanted to say about this is that even as a, a narrative filmmaker, you're still going to have to deal with like a lot of the concepts that we're talking about as a commercial director, because I mean, there is a lot of, um, you know, product placement in films mm-hmm. and there is a lot of pleasing some sort of sponsor. I think when you get to a higher level, so I, I don't really know what that is like or what that would be, but I just know that it, it's part of it. 
And so mm-hmm. I feel like like thinking in this way and having the commercial experience is only going to help you later on, probably. You I know? think so. Yeah. I think yeah. I'm dealing with those personalities. But yeah, I, it's going to be interesting to see what the experience is like as soon as there's money behind our projects. As soon yeah. as there's like, you know, half a million dollars behind a feature film, like do the people that put the money up care or is it still not enough money for them to have a say in it? But you know, you hear stories all the time. Like someone's like, sure, I'll give you uh, $250,000, but my daughter's an actress and I want you to cast her in the film. Yeah. I, I had a friend who had the same thing. It's like, that's basically how they funded this movie is they like, were like basically auctioning <laughs> off like walk on roles or roles to the investors, yeah. you know, like getting somebody who wants to be in doing filmmaking, who has a lot of money and like basically inviting them to be, part of the production and then like just manage them managing them as best as possible which seems uh (laughs) so crazy but uh i don't know i guess that's how you get things done right i don't know i'll find i'll find out you know after i produce this feature i'm working on see if i have to we have to do that yeah what compromises you have to make and how involved the investors are my final thought is that somebody once told me this like really early in my career as an agency producer because I was kind of like, oh, you know, it's a fun job, but I don't really love like that I'm making advertising. And she was just like, you know what? Advertising makes the world go round. It pays for everything that you like in this world. <laughs> and the, I didn't really appreciate that at the time. But the more I think about it, it's like, you know, it pays for all the great TV shows we watch. YouTube is free because there's commercials on it. In some weird way, the businesses that help independent filmmakers out are able to do that because there's commercial money that they're also able to capture. So commercials, yeah, like aren't always like the most attractive option and a lot of them aren't awesome and great and it can seem like a process that just is painful because you don't have 100% creative control like I've just come to to terms that commercials are what they are and I think there's a lot of opportunity to learn and grow from working on them and so I'm excited to to try directing more and and seeing what comes of it I have no expectations right now about like how much my career is going to really take off or how it's really going to help me make my feature film. I'm just more focused on I'm already in the commercial business, but I'm producing and I would rather be directing. I think that's going to help me grow. Yes. Like whatever you can do to just direct as much as possible within the environment that you're at. And I think that's smart, you know, absolutely. But, uh, but yeah, I guess the thing I want to share this week is just, uh, it's probably the last couple hours of the Kickstarter for the rage are probably going on right now. Uh, I think it ends like Monday at like two or one or noon or something like that. So if you're listening to this, it's Monday morning still, uh, you know, help us. I don't know if we're going to be at a, our goal yet but i i know i we have some stretch goals in mind so if there are stretch goals up um and we haven't met them yet help us meet them so we can uh make the best movie possible because <laughs> you guys are only asking for a thousand on kickstarter but the movie cost at least double that it cost 20 i did the math the other day it was like 2500 dollars or 2400 dollars that i spent out of my own pocket on this thing jeez mm, we're, we're trying to like give give back more even even though we're not making our money back we're still trying to offer more for each stretch goal i think we're gonna do posters if we get to 1500 dollars. you know just help us and then we can create some awesome posters and put them out into the world yeah, the deadline like. to to give is Tuesday, February 9th at 4.48 p.m. Wow. So you so know more time, than I do about my By the time project. this comes out, you will only have a day to to give. So, so help us, help us, help us. How's that? <laughs>
type in the Rage Kickstarter. It was the second link when I did the Rage Kickstarter on Google. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. Second link, not bad. Not bad. <laughs> All right, I guess should I should I take us out of this? Yeah, take us out. All right. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Please help other people find us by leaving a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Thanks to everybody who's left reviews so far. You can also check out our website at makingmoviesishard.com, where you, where you can subscribe to our show notes and share your thoughts on this episode and every other episode. Um, and there's a forum, like a little community discussion forum, that you can jump on and start discussions with people in your community. So hopefully people are doing that. Or you can just send us an email at podcast at makingmoviesishard.com hard.com and we'll share it on the show which is uh really wonderful and kind of how we ended up meeting these guys the perez brothers last night and they they sent us an email and shared some work with us and yeah we got together and we had a wonderful time thanks for listening everybody thank you timothy for the amazing show thanks all right that was like the most rambly uh ramble of an <laughs> outro ever uh we'll <laughs> see what it you happens. guys can do with that i don't know i got really excited just started talking um <laughs> like, but we yeah. not we don't want this to end yeah we We've can't stop end recording. Right. we gotta go to work we gotta all right other stuff yeah to i gotta go do some location shots in oakland <laughs> all right good luck with that we'll talk to you next week all right talk to you next week bye